Fresh tunes, fresh morning. Morning, people. Welcome back to the show. Um, I don't know if I ever really explained what Project Chris was about, and uh, I never really took it to the direction that I wanted to. I wanted to sort of sit down with people, but chat, learn things, curiosity, get, you know, all that kind of stuff. Didn't really pan out. My business got bigger and my kids... Uh, you know, way more of a priority for me and doing episodes like this it's very very much a when I've got something to say or something I'm really connecting with I'll talk about it in a in a free flow way I don't really write things down and that's that that's pretty hard to to say stay not positive about it but upbeat about it it could last five ten minutes and then it's gone and then I'll be like oh hang on I don't know why I really wanted to talk about that, but when I get a connection, I want to run with it. And each episode that I do, I I feel connected to a lot of those um, episodes and I just move through them and then that's it. It's almost like a journal, but because when I do a podcast and for me it seems successful that I've done an episode, I don't remember what I've said. I go back and listen to it, which I don't rarely, but um, uh, I don't, really remember saying these things and and most of the time I don't feel vulnerable about it or um insecure about oh my god did I say anything correct I I seem like that's when it works the best is when I don't remember what I said it's because it just flew out of me it was just on flow wasn't scripted or written this episode today will be totally different um today marks my one year of sobriety and I tell you what full of Full of pride and the accomplishment that I've achieved over this past year. You know, I I have a few people to thank, and um, you know, it doesn't just mean just for this year. The people that I have to thank, it's been sort of they've been instrumental over the last couple of years. So I have a few people to thank about that. And then I have a few things to say about myself in the process as well. But I, guilt got the best of me. And to be honest, guilt is like in the movies, like a ghost. It's something that will always appear at the most inopportune time. And you will, once you see it, it's only yours to see and only yours to feel. And you can try and justify as much as you want. doesn't matter. It's not going to go away. And for me, it was very much like that. I've talked about it before in my podcast. I I would always get to the bedtime at night and you would just have this feeling of guilt of, you know, you said you were going to stop or you, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it was just a, it was a never-ending battle of the subconscious just eating at me. Everywhere I'd go, things I'd see, things I'd hear, things I'd do, I just knew I was in a certain category that I couldn't explain my way out of. It wasn't like that. It's not designed that way. Uh, I heard this story on a horror TV show, believe it or not, speaking of ghosts, um, Haunting of Hill House. This has um, an AA meeting inside it and 
quite brutal, really. It's quite detailed. I'm not going to be able to go into detail. I'm going to probably butcher it, but there's a blind man in there. He's two months sober, and he he's a war veteran from Afghanistan. And he tells a story about coming across a charred body of a little girl, and the eyes were... And he explains what happens to eyes when they get hit by a certain heat and what they look like and how they, you know. And he would be recovering the body. And he goes into the, so much detail that it puts you in the bloody room and, and then it puts you beside him through his path down leaving the, leaving the, the army and coming back home. And he would always see her body. The general story of a lot of PTSD sufferers would you would always experience it loud noises visuals um nightmares doesn't matter nowhere he could go he couldn't escape it and um <clears throat> got so bad that he'd see it in the ceiling the walls and the floors and people's faces everything just this black burnt charred body with um egg runny egg like eyes coming down the sides you know what i mean like it's it's pretty brutal and he said that immediately drawing back to using again and he did some um, some substances that put him in a really strange place. And he had this idea that seemed like a good idea at the time. And he grabbed these sewing needles and he plucked his eyes out. And now this is not a true story, but I'm sure it probably is somewhere. But just the simplicity of, a, of a, an addiction and a, a really bad addictive habit that people get when they become addicts or something like that, that in this guy's state, he thought to pull his eyes out so he wouldn't see those images again. Mind you, he was um, highly intoxicated and, yeah, it would have been a good idea at the time. But then he come to and, you know, now he can't see anything. He can't see anything but those images. Now imagine that for a bit, that you're in such a bad state. I mean, unfortunately, there's always people to talk to, but you can't. You can't put yourself in a position where they were. But um, suicides would be the same. You know, uh, only the thing is this guy suicided his eyeballs and he can't see anything else, nothing, no sunrise, no beautiful faces, no, no beautiful green rolling hills, nothing. But he just sees that burnt body with the eggs rolling down his eyes and his theory at the end or he's saying at the end of his little two-month sobriety speech was that that's what the addiction takes. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but ultimately the addiction takes everything else away from you and leaves you with the one thing that you originally started it for. I let that sink in for a bit. Now, we're not, we're not all complete, fully addicts, but at the end of the day, like the spectrum, I don't, you, everyone gets a little number on their spectrum. At the end of the day, if you can't not go without, then you, you do have a problem. And that will fester into another problem and then you'll connect it, add it and place it in places where you think it belongs but just ultimately doesn't. And um, so I got that feeling that through my divorce and through my early days of um, working in a business that I um, you know, dreamed of running and... When I started drinking alcohol spirits at an early age, it, um, 
you might have used it for a certain reason, like, you know, socially hanging out and then it sort of moved on to another period and then when you get stuck being on call for a job and, you know, the, the fear and the frustration of getting called out or something like that. So when you, you didn't, when you weren't on call, you spent your time drinking and socialising, uh, you know, because you're about to be on call again. Um, then, you know, the marriage breakdown is a definite one. I mean, that's not, I mean, it's it was one of the most benefit, benef- beneficial things to my life now. Of course, I see that, but at the time I definitely didn't and the drinking was certainly a massive part of it. But I thought that thing was th- fixing me. I thought it was helping me get through. But ultimately, it was removing things from my life and replacing it with just that addiction. And, you know, that's the that's the heartbreaking and the most heartwarming part is that from this lens now in time, one year sober, looking back, I, I appreciate everything that happened. Um, and I, you know, come to terms with everything in my own way through all the emotions that were laid out for us. I've utilized all of them and I've processed everything. That's all I've, That's all you do. That Not just through the one year. I, I started this journey way before the sobriety. I started working on myself before that and that's what ultimately led to the sobriety is because I just couldn't see the, the benefit. I couldn't see what I was doing to myself as any good. It wasn't serving me anymore. And that got me onto the, the sobriety wagon one year ago. Now... So don't, you know, obviously I speak to a lot of people at work. That's the beauty of my, my job. I get to go into people's houses and do a job and then I get to connect. Some people are just people. Other people really connect with me or I connect with them and we talk and then they ask questions and we move on and next, you know, hang on, <laughs> I was here to do this, but, you know, and that's, that's what I like to do. And I spoke to one person the other day who was talking about quitting smoking. I'm like, hey... It's a beautiful idea. And then they mentioned something about their partner said, I really need to stop doing it because of this, this and this. I was like, well, you know, I don't, I've spent a lot of my time in my life being negative. Responses um, were a big thing, like jumping on the negative bandwagon. But in this one, I really felt like, look, I'm, if you want to give it a go, I'm, you know, I'm more than, I'm already proud of you for thinking about it. And, uh, but I said, I'll tell you this now. And like anyone else would, it's got to be your idea. I've said that millions of times. You have to show up for yourself. You have to put in the work for yourself. You have to be consistent. You have to be disciplined. It has to be a pure intention of better the betterment of your life. If someone else wants you to do it, it's just not going to work. It's going to. It's not even going to be a waste. I mean, it's going to bring you back to the addiction harder if it doesn't. If it doesn't work, but ultimately, it's got to be your decision, and. I really, I really like those journeys. I really like those little conversational journeys that I have when I'm on the job because I get to see <laughs> just how messed up the world is in some ways and just remind everyone that the reason why we do certain things, first it was thrown at us commercially. I mean, not to get political, but it was. It was advertised, it was designed to just get into us, you know, and that bugs me the most and I've got young kids and I remind them of that but also not taken away just the excitement that you you get when you're growing through the ages and you get to experience things but I just don't want these things to take a hold because they will if you have something for it to grab onto and that's where you've got to work on the inside you know so anyway I do have 
some stuff I want to mention. Okay, first up, I mentioned in my podcast earlier on about dis, um, you know, consistency. Um, well, it was discipline, consistency equals motivational success or motivation success. Basically, without those, you won't get, you won't have success or won't be successful in anything you're trying to achieve. If you, you won't be successful by being consistent, but if you don't be consistent, I guarantee you'll never be successful. It's a weird one to stomach. Like you've got to really have a listen to that over and over again. Have, being consistent and disciplined in things um, doesn't bring you success. Okay, let's say it that way. But it will help you and it's key in being successful in whatever you're trying to do. But if you don't, if you are not consistent, you do not have discipline in your consistency, then you will not be successful. It's just, that's pretty much it. For the last five months, uh, it's almost six months, I've had a cold shower between four or five in the morning. Without fail, I only missed one and that was while I was doing a five-day water fast. My body temp was super low, so I didn't really want a cold shower. Um, but I've been so consistent and so disciplined at doing it that I just I just walk into the shower now and, and I just have I just have this this bliss feeling over me when I do it. I don't even I used to stare at the shower head for five seconds and you know, get into a rote routine. I used to move around, sort of like dance in the shower just to get every part of the body under the water and you know, I used to have all these different processes to to get through it. And with consistency, I've reached a, a successful um, outcome that I wanted. And that was that I'm sharp as in the morning and I'm able to do all my bookwork in the morning. Sharp as a tack, sharp as. I just never felt so much, so much more awake in the morning. It helps with the circadian rhythm. It completes the cycle. Um, it really has helped me in some ways with my addictive nature, even though we deal with our traumas of the past in our own way and whatnot, I don't truly believe it ever really gets a, it gets rid of your addiction. If you've used it for so long, for so many reasons, your addiction's always going to stay. You just have to focus it on something else. Okay, so basically I um, work on my intrapersonal skills, uh, pretty much my um, inner health, I do the cold showers, I eat what my body wants, um, eat what it needs, and I try to eat in a, a way that's not based off emotions and not habitual. I just eat what nourishes me. And then, of course, you know, there's getting out in nature, doing that kind of stuff. There's working. Now, that is purpose and connection for me as well. I don't necessarily like the job. I've been doing it so long that I just can do it. Um, and that's everything put together, being consistent and disciplined and showing up. Well, I had the strongest possible chance to become sober. You know, so discipline, consistency, motivation equals success. It's not motivation to 
become disciplined and consistent. It's the other way around. Start doing something. Read that book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. It'll explain it all. The aggregation of marginal gains. I've said it before. Get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, make your bed. Then get up at 4.59, make your bed. Get up at 4.58, make your bed. So on and so on. By the end of a year, you know, do the math. It doesn't have to be that much. But if you change 1% every day at the end of the year, you'll have changed 365% on one thing and then on another thing and then on another thing. Rather than trying to change something 100%, it's not going to work. Your habits have to be adjusted at small increments to have major success at the end. So, you know, I'd like to thank um, my coach in all things, you know, life, body, mind, soul, nutrition, the great Dan Garbutt. He runs a, an academy called the Thrive Academy just over the border and he deals predominantly in mind, body and breath. Nutrition's there, he's a former PT and, you know, I went to him when I quit my job just to rip into my life, basically. I didn't, had no idea. I thought it, he was just going to fix me. Um, and even though I was drinking and smoking through those stages, because I had already started searching for things that, you know, to find out why I felt this way, why this was happening, how come I had body, you know, I'd, you name it. All the things I'll probably mention now will be from a perspective at this point. Um, I didn't know that body pain represented certain emotions. I didn't know, you know, but he, he helped me through a lot. And I dis, we disconnected there for a little bit, for about a year. Um, but that's okay because, you know, he was my coach through a, through a program. And, um, but once I finished it, you know, he became a mate. And I, I'm unbelievably thankful for and grateful for his input and his encouragement and just hardline approach, to be honest. I mean, you think it's, you think it's funny when you say something and then someone questions you about it and then you find yourself in a hole and you realize how full of shit you really are. That is the most interesting take on my life at that time was every time I'd say something, I found myself a good talker because of my job and we'd go talk to 100 people a day and have to do good PR while doing good work and explain the job and the outcome. And when it came to life, I was completely dumb to it. Um, the emotions, dumb to it. Um, what I wanted to do, dumb to it. Everything. You know, he'd ask me a question. I'd be like, yeah, I want to do this. And he'd go, well, what is it about that, that you want to do? And I'd just be like, oh, you know, it's like that. And he goes, okay, so well, how about that? How does that make you feel? And he'd be like, uh, actually, I don't want to do any of that. I, I feel like I'm just fucking full of shit. And he will remember that. He'd have fond memories of all those kind of things. And I guess the process with him over 12 weeks was just ripping into certain things and I am a very I'm very analytical so I rip through everything I look at different variations and different possibilities and scenarios and as much as I used to hate that because I would fantasize and overdo something before it even happened that's some but then that's where my creativity comes from when I can do a podcast and how I'm able to speak without actually writing anything down is that it's just whatever I'm kind of into at that point and I'd just go on with it. 
But um, you know, so I'm I'm grateful for his input into this because he also told me a story early on in his days about alcohol not serving him, and I was jealous, and I was just like, oh, you know, jealous and curious, but fearful too because I knew that's what I wanted deep down, but I just didn't know how to. I didn't know how to do it, um, and it's 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 tough if you're thinking about it or you're ready to deal with it it's it's going to be tough i'm not going to say it's an easy road i think crucial you've got to admit there's a problem don't let anyone tell you you're high functioning don't let that fucking label land onto it at the end of the day you will have an idea of an alcoholic in your head or a drug abuser in your head and you will make sure that you're not that you will explain it all the time you'll literally Going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I'm not an alcoholic because I don't do this, I don't do that. I've been saying that for years. I don't drink and drive. I don't beat up my family. I don't take a carton and rum chase. Like, I don't. Those are the ideas of what an alcoholic was for me. The old Australian alcoholic with a wife beating singlet on. And he just, that's just brutal, right? Why would I even want to friggin', you know? But the. Once you once you sort of come to terms with what you have, what you are, and you've really got to find out where it stems from. I'm not going to tell you where. I'm not going to tell you how. That's for me and for me only. But to dig in is to find out the root cause, the genesis of all your habits. And then you can figure out which ones serve you and stay around. So if you're listening, Dan, I really appreciate you, mate. And most recently we've had some conversations and they've really helped. So hope to chat soon. The other one would be um, my ex-wife, Michelle. Of course, you know, as hard as things are when you go through those moments of a, a marriage breakdown, um, it does truly feel like your life is coming to an end. You'll have kids or you don't have kids or you'll have a house or you don't have a house, whatever it is, it literally goes dark very quickly. The expectation of what we're supposed to be in a marriage especially if you get married young and especially if you had an idea of the marriage was supposed to go based on you know what you've learned as you grow it's really really difficult to lose that when you have no other um you know light looking forward all i generally had was my own um, either guilt, which I didn't realize I had. I just was constantly wanting to not place blame, but take the blame internally. Um, if there was external blame on someone else that I was doing and I wasn't voicing it to the family because the last thing I found is talking to my family or anyone that I knew, it was always one-sided. It was always attacking the the female in this situation yeah i get it there are a lot of bad situations there are bad men situations bad women situations and all that but i didn't have that and we you know without that journey i i wouldn't have i wouldn't have got to the coach stage with dan i wouldn't have made it that far because i was inspired by what michelle was starting to work on but I didn't want to recognize it myself. I did not want to allow in myself, I didn't want to say that she's doing something 
that you want to do, but because it was her idea in the first place, you didn't want to be a cop. I didn't want to copy, and I didn't want to give her the win. So you know what I mean? Like it's, it's sort of it's childish, I know, but I didn't want the. Yeah, I didn't. I just didn't want that feeling. So I just drank instead, and then worked and drank, and then just sort of wallowed in my own guilt. Like just sort of moped around and hoped for change. And obviously, the more Michelle did, and the more we worked together as co-parents with our two amazing children, the you know, once again speaking from this point, looking back, everything that happened in the past is never a regretful thing. You will always go, I regret doing this, I regret doing that. And that's great. That's a fucking Hollywood statement. It's not, there is no regrets. There can't be a regret. And I get it. There are some situations that are probably so bad that people do regret it. But in time, you will find out that they're the fucking ultimate ones you need. It's the failure that leads you to a better path. It's the shitty road that goes somewhere beautiful to a better destination all of it it's all those little self-help quotes that you hear they are right you've got to get there though once you're there then you can look at it and go oh you know it wasn't that bad so all of those things i just chose to drink through that and work through that until i jump ship so i'm grateful for my ex-wife Michelle for being fucking dope ass co-parent and just an insane mother uh, to our children and she's also taught me a lot over the last couple of years and that's how I got onto Dan as well so therefore you know I have a lot of have a lot of respect for us and through this past year I haven't leaned on her you know, other than the usual co-parent situation, um, you know, I'm always venting something at some point, but it's hasn't really been about this. I've been really, most of the time, silent with my sobriety. A couple of words here pop out and, and all this kind of stuff, but I've been very internal with it. So, you know, um, my good mate Cameron Connell, uh, he, he came into my life at the time when I jumped ship from my work and... You know, he'd been down through similar paths and done some work around all that. And we connected and we partied prior to the sobriety thing. Uh, we had some great adventures. And, you know, at the end of the day, we just, we honed our skills, I guess you could say, throughout the time. Not the drinking side, but just just eliminating the bad processes of our subconscious mind throughout that time. And, you know, we worked together on jobs and we... We um, caught up at the beach and had many sunrises just chatting about things and lives and, and coaches' programs and, and things that, that they say and worked on integrity, um, habits, um, you know. But, of course, we partied a fair bit. And once again, those things are in the past for me, but they are essential. I experienced a, a full-on party life about a year and a half more than I ever had in my entire life because when I was 18 going out was not wasn't really one of those things that I wanted to do I wasn't in I didn't like that I preferred cars and cruising and stuff like that and and I never got to do that so it felt like after 
the divorce, that's what happened. It hit the town. And Cameron was, was there and he's always continues to be there. He's a good bloke and he's my best mate. So I'm not fully connected with him recently, but this will explain something. I believe when you're going through sobriety, and it is hard for a lot of people, like there's the people that drink and there's people who don't drink, a lot of relationships do change. They alter, they they either lessen or they might get more. I don't know. It's it's different. But one thing I did learn is you cannot rely on relationship. doesn't matter the strength of the relationship during sobriety. Sobriety is a solo um, endeavor. Yes, you should have support, but only in a certain light, like a certain context. You don't want to lean on someone um, because they relationships, strong, strong, strong friendships can become what you would call a, I guess, a gateway drug, especially if they're once if some people are still drinking or enjoying the the habits that you wanted to stop doing you will subconsciously put yourself in that environment thinking you're okay this is what happened with my 40th i quit drinking before my 40th and thought i'd still go because hey why not i mean this is my time and it's at a brewery and like you know everyone can still drink and i developed this unbelievable unbelievably mysterious back pain literally the two days before the day before and i did everything i could to try and fix it but it just wouldn't go away it floored me i ended up cancelling my 40th half the people still went and the other half didn't go and i was floored for about three days like my body was doing some protection mode i look at it now and think yep that was pretty cool but at the time i was really wanting validation from everyone that i was doing the right thing i mean that was only a month in not even a month of, of being sober and I probably only wanted to go so I could hear everyone tell me how awesome it is. And, you know, but I didn't want that. I didn't want that from people. I probably was going to be dangerous. It would have been relationships I would have fell onto and just gone, I, yeah, I get it. Some people might want it. It wouldn't have been proper support. Let's just say that. And I didn't really want to seek proper support because I have done, I've been going through the, the, all the internal channels that I've been working on over the last couple of years and I found that this was my journey to do alone and call it an, un, an a rewiring of my psyche and it was mine to, to bear. So I just basically would have thought that I would have attacked a heap of, um, you know, sober communities and stuff like that. But no, I didn't really want to go down that road and fortunately for me, I, it paid off i mean i i don't live a day there's a saying in the sober sober world uh that sobriety isn't bought it is rented and the rent is due every day now i don't have that same um connection to that phrase i don't feel like i'm paying rent every day to stay sobri uh, so, um, sober but i the with time for me it's becoming uh, the thought of alcohol is becoming less frequent. It's like I appreciate what alcohol is as a a um, an every now and then thing, but that's just not how it works for me. It's not every now and then. I don't want one beer or one scotch. That just makes no sense to me because I'll get a buzz and then I'll chase that buzz and that's it. That's just how it goes. I don't 
want to ever have one, um, I'd rather be able to get to be to be drunk on the people around me or the, the the environment that I'm in. That's what I'm chasing. That natural high. We have our own chemical um, pharmaceutical factory inside our bodies, and you can activate it whenever you want. There's so many. You can look at podcasts on endorphins. I've I've spoke about dopamine. Go nuts. You know, but you don't need. Um, well, I don't. I didn't need that kind of connection. Now, the other one is really interesting. Um, support and um, connection. I suppose you could say that at the time I was speaking with a girl, Sadie Anderson's her name, and she, wow, it was so insightful that people come into your life for a reason and a season. Or and or a season. Um, she came into my life at a point where I was still searching for things and I was still drinking and whatnot. And she was seven months sober at the time. And I was just like listening to her tell me about her journey and how she was still very active in her social community. And, you know, the one thing I feared with being sober was that when you go to the gym, right, and you get a pump, get a pump up right everything juices are flowing okay everything's awesome you get a there's a little ego in there it's, there's a little bit of everything depending on where you're at in your life and i used to do the same with the ice bath and i'd get out and i'd get that same feeling but the problem was the first thing i want to go to is to keep that buzz going right because it just seemed i was so fearful of the connecting the two like i couldn't do one without the other and that's what i had to undo a lot of in my life and when sage would talk to me about her um I think she went to a couple of festivals and asked how she went and she said it was hard and the first thing is truthful is being truth it is hard it would be hard it will be hard it's never going to change you're not going to and if you are you're lying to yourself if you literally say oh yeah i went it was really easy like it you can say it's not that bad because you are being truthful it isn't that bad when it's what you really want to achieve but if you just go oh no it was simple like you know shrug it off but when Sage was telling me about her um, social side of it, and I was just blown away about how she handled it. And it was very, very fucking inspiring. But I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it in the back of my head. I was like, oh, yeah, we're on our way to a breath session with um, a coach. And, oh, my God, the room had some energy through it. And I did hear there was some dark energy flowing through that room. And I was like, fuck, was it mine? Uh, I don't think dreaming of being sober and the guilt of drinking too much um would be the dark vibrations that we felt in the room but hey i was lying to myself that day when coach asked me questions about how we felt after the deep dive and this was deep dive i mean these ones are deep you go places and to be honest i could not get past my wall of um addiction that's all i couldn't enjoy that day i couldn't breathe properly i wasn't going deep i was falling asleep because i didn't want to i just didn't want to roam deep dive breathing is your chance to roam through the valley of your subconscious and everything that you need and want to fix are there for you don't be afraid of them shit i mean i just didn't know how to quit drinking so that kind of translates into a fear that 
gets a wall up and you will have a harder time quitting after that. So I really appreciate um, Seder coming into my life at that point in time and really giving me, I guess, the boost to know that someone can be single, be um, solo parent, um, not solo parent, but a co-parent and be sober while having the community at your fingertips through the work that you're doing, just being an absolute badass. Like, it's so refreshing looking at it from this point. So I really appreciate her too. And um, I met another mate recently too that I don't want to say his name because I know what he does for a job, but he, you know, um, I'll just call, I'll just call, I'll call him LM, LMP, how about that? And then I'll text him later and say that I gave him a mention. Because I've known him for a while through my job and, you know, he always held himself well, talked well, He's, he was professional in his job and, um, you know, guitarist, he's got all that, he can play, he's, he's an amazing, he's, he's a loving father, loving husband, all this kind of stuff, great bloke. And I ran across him at the gym one day and he's been sober for uh, for four months at the time, still a couple months ago. And we just and he was ripped, he shredded. Like I'm man has been man has been putting in the work, you know. Um and I was just once I heard his story, I was just like, I didn't even know. And I was so fucking proud of him when he told me some stuff. Because I was what, um, probably 10 months at the time and I just man just you know keep talking brother they said I just want to hear everything because I just had already experienced a lot of he that he experienced and I was just so like you know there are I, I'm fearful of those groups that you go because I find that they'd be strangers and when you come across someone you know and someone you're actually quite you know good like friendly with it's different hold on I'm gonna sneeze maybe can I stop it no, we'll keep going. I don't delete anything, people. I just keep talking. If I'm going to sneeze, I'm going to sneeze, all right? This is the fucking authentic me. So, you know, LMP, if you're listening, bro, I appreciate you. You're doing good, brother. You look amazing. Your work is amazing. And, um, you know, just just keep doing the best you you can do. Because that's that's what the word really is about with this pub, is that I'm fucking proud of myself. I made it to a year. I don't have any intention of going back. I don't need to. All the research and study that I've spent my time doing, it just it just doesn't serve me. It makes no sense to do it. And not even as a one-off. I can do breath work that can get me just to the same place as alcohol. I can stare at the sunrise in the morning to get me to the same place. Now, this is not to rub it into anyone that might be feeling like, you know, yeah, whatever. I do remember feeling like how can how can your positivity be a shot how can how can what you do with nature be a fucking schooner like how can it be better i get it the social pressures of our society and the fact that covid put us indoors and left all the bottle shops open like are you fucking kidding me connect them connect those dots like that was the worst thing ever we should have been outside exercising getting healthy in whatever way you can get healthy i don't mean in the pick the healthiest guy in the room and say i want to be like that you have your own version of health and nutrition that you can get to it's there you can tap into it 
right? So COVID did us no fucking favours. But you can do it. And my message to you is that I'm just a tradie on the Gold Coast who basically grew up, grew up fine. My parents did a great job. The biggest takeaway from my family, and I appreciate them through this as well, but I wanted to separate myself from my family as much as I could because I've leaned on them for so long in my life through my job. And being the youngest sibling, I've leaned on them a lot. I can see it all. I've experienced all of my emotions around that time. And I have leaned on them and they have decided things for me and because I let them. Now, that's not their... That's not at all their fault. This is this is life and we all have choices to make and we have changes to to experience. But I just appreciate them for everything they did. And my parents gave me, you know, love was definitely there for sure. Um, but that's not the biggest takeaway. The biggest thing you know, I'm most proud of for my parents is that they taught me how to be independent. And at that time though, I was pissed off at myself because I wasn't using my independency. I didn't use it correctly i am grateful being independent this day it definitely helps um you don't you know needing others for help is great and but as long as it's at your own reason and like your your own reasons you don't want to use someone because you can't be bothered doing the work you can't be bothered showing up when you want to show up when you want to put in the work when you want to be consistent and disciplined in what you do having independence is a very powerful side partner it's pretty much what's helped me through this past year is that i'm achieving this for me and for my kids but at the end of the day if i don't achieve it for myself then i'm not going to be able to show up for my kids i'm not going to be able to put in the work for my kids i'm not going to be able to give them the lessons that they deserve that they earn through their younger days growing up i don't want to give them guilt i don't want to give them fear I don't want any of those kinds of things. So you have to do the work for yourself. If I could give anything that there's, um, what, what was the, the old Nordic rune? The old Nordic rune saying one of the most strongest, powerful ones is uh, it's choice, chance, change. We have choices. We always will have a choice. Shit you not, it's always a choice. It's a choice to be upset. It's a choice to be offended. It's a choice to be right. It's a choice to be wrong. It's a choice to be everything. If we take a chance on a different choice, on a different path, on a different journey, on a different person, then we affect, we, we change. That's the end result. There is a change. And it will be hard. It will require discipline consistency most of all self-love belief and i fucking shit you not when you believe something it matters i believe that i'm in a sense bulletproof from my cold showers in the morning to the day i'm bulletproof for anything in the day except an actual fucking bullet who knows i don't want to test that out but nothing is going to be more difficult than a cold shower at four o'clock in the morning it's difficult so belief is crucial so choice change ah sorry choice chance change i know it gets confusing but write them down just stare at them choice is a chance but there's a change all right so anyway guys look 
I'm proud of me. I love you all. If you guys at all are getting to some sort of point where you're just like, you know, I need something, I want to do something, then just remember that it's possible and that you don't need to be extraordinary to do the extraordinary. And at the end of it, what awaits? Bliss. I enjoy everything that I do now. I, there's, hey, it doesn't stop there though. The work keeps going, right? Don't just think what I just said means that it's finished once you get to a year. No, 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 no. If that's a year's what you want, then that's great. You've done well. I guarantee you, you probably don't want to go back. A lot of people don't. But there's still a, it's still a hill to climb. Everything. There's going to be changes. There's going to be backflips. There's going to be challenges that are going to hit you. There's going to be thoughts, feelings. You've got to hit them and work at them objectively and then work at them subjectively and then see what you want. It's possible. So anyway, as always, guys, thanks for listening and I will chat to you later. As a composer, I can't wait to use this product on my next project. It will make my work a lot easier. Let's see.